Levar os portugueses mais longe. Ser uma ponte entre Portugal e os Estados Unidos da América. Esta é a missão da Fundação Luso-Americana para o Desenvolvimento. A FLAD nasceu em 1985, na sequência do Acordo das Lages, e por aqui passaram até hoje milhares de pessoas e ideias que ajudámos a transformar em realidade. Promovemos a partilha de conhecimento e experiências através de bolsas de estudo, estágios, prémios e conferências unindo os dois lados do Atlântico. Trabalhamos diretamente com a comunidade portuguesa nos Estados Unidos. Queremos contribuir para que o papel dos luso-americanos seja cada vez mais forte e para que as origens portuguesas sejam continuamente celebradas. Nesta ligação atlântica surgem, claro, os Açores. Pela sua importância geoestratégica de segurança e defesa, científica e cultural, são um ponto essencial na atividade da FLAD. Somos ciência, educação, arte e relações transatlânticas. Há 36 anos a contribuir para o desenvolvimento de Portugal e dos portugueses. Good afternoon, and yes, this presentation ended magnificently well with Lee Courbeirão. Yeah, that was just perfect. Good afternoon to you all, and uh, welcome to PELCAS, PELCAS 2021 virtual events. Uh, today, at, the, at this moment, for an hour, we do have a, uh, a panel discussion. Uh, about the role of the community schools, meaning the Portuguese community schools. My name is Odette Morello, and I will be the moderator for today's program. I am uh, in Fall River, Mass, in the East Coast. I have been a resident uh, of uh, this area for many decades. Came from uh, St. Michael Azores and have been here um, studying and working and being an incredible advocate in the community. But my mode is education, is literacy, is the Portuguese language, the Portuguese culture. And at the moment, I, um, I'm still teaching at Bristol Community College. It's a local college here in Fall River. And, and yes, I do teach Portuguese at, at the college. And uh, to, today we do have um, various panelists, one from New York and three from California. Uh, let's see, two from California, I mean, and one uh, local New Bedford and one local Fall River slash New Bedford. So as I mentioned, uh, the, uh, the panel uh, topic for today is um, the, the Portuguese community schools. Uh, Portuguese language schools play an important role and fill a massive gap in the availability of the Portuguese language, okay, being part of the curriculum at the elementary school level. Uh, so for many of our Portuguese uh, Luso children, and not just them, but also uh, the children in the community uh, that have heard the Portuguese language all around them, uh, want to learn Portuguese. And as I mentioned, uh, unfortunately, in many of the school systems, uh, uh, Portuguese is not a language that is part of the curriculum. So this is why, okay, uh, the commu Portuguese community schools are super important. Um, with this in mind, I would like uh, to uh, um, call, call upon um, Annabella Pinto uh, to um, introduce herself. Uh, my name is Annabella um, de Almeida Pinto. I was born in Yonkers, New York, uh, to daughter of two um, of Irens, 
very proud. My home, my first language was Portuguese. And my third language is English because my uncle is Venezuelan, so I spoke Spanish as well. Culturally, I've always uh, identified as Portuguese. And uh, I think a big part of that is that my parents instilled that in me. And that's at home. That's something that we all have to work on. Um, I have also experience in starting a, a community school. I moved six years ago to northern part of, me, of uh, New York in Dutchess County. Um, a community that was basically a transfer community. A lot of the Portuguese from the lower Hudson Valley moved up uh, for financial reasons mostly. And they started to develop the need for a, a community events, a community uh, center. Um, slowly, there were a group of Portuguese that did, did that. Um, they're still working on it. It's still very much in, in the beginnings. But the school uh, was founded um, and named after Fernando Pessoa. And um, we were part of, are part of NIPALC. I'm no longer the director of the school. Um, currently I function as a registered nurse uh, in a trauma level one center in Westchester. But um, I'm always looking for opportunities to help the community and improve the identity of the youth. Thank you. Thank you, Annabella. Uh, let's see, um, could, could I call upon Bella, Bella Ferreira? Uh, it's a great pleasure. I thank you for the opportunity. Uh, my name is Bella Ferreira, as you mentioned. I am with the Portuguese Organization for Social Services and Opportunities, also known as POSU. We're a social service agency for the Portuguese community in the Bay Area, San Jose, California. I'm originally from Angola, and I um, think that it's extremely important that we continue to promote the language that is uh, to our children and grandchildren, and therefore we have a I think this is our fifth year to teach levels of Portuguese. We have uh, four years old to six years old, and we have a seven to 13 years old. And then um, high school uh, high school teacher, a local high school teacher, actually comes in and does adult classes from 14, age, 14 years of age up to 88 years old. Uh, uh, Bella, what community are you from? Uh, our, the name of our organization is POSU, Portuguese Organization for Social Services and Opportunities. And we are in San Jose, California. Mm -hmm. We're very similar to MAPS in Massachusetts, mm -hmm. where we help the community with many different types of social services. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things that we have as well is Portuguese class. Michelle, mm -hmm. would you like to be next? Sure. Hi, sorry, I was a little late um, teaching. So, um, I'm just trying to grasp what we're, we're just introducing ourselves, correct, right now? Okay. Okay. So my name is Michelle Machado. I am from Hillmar, California, and I teach at Hillmar High School, Portuguese and um, ELD, the English learners. And then also I am uh, in charge of the community school, the local community school, just a few minutes away in Turlock called George de Sena Portuguese School. Thank you. Thank you. Leslie? Thank you, Dr. Morella. Uh, my name is Leslie Rivero Vicente. I'm the Executive Director of Discover Language Academy, which is a community school in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Um, I feel like I'm repeating myself, and most of you know that I was born in San Diego, California, but I lived uh, in the Azores, uh, specifically down the beaches for about 12 years. Then I uh, immigrated into, uh, I guess, my own country um, in the 1979, and here, um, here I am, um, you know, two years later, um, trying to do the best I can so that all the children in the bedroom uh, speak Portuguese and uh, I'll become bilingual. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you. Thank you, Leslie. Leslie, uh, uh, for the next question, is it possible for you to uh, uh, put your your voice, your mic a little louder? Uh, I can try. I was oh, okay, much better now. Much oh. better. Yes. I can be loud. <laughs> yes, much, much better now. Yes. And uh, and we have Carlos now. Good afternoon, everyone, and uh, thank you for inviting me to be on this uh, great uh, uh, panel. Um, my name is Carlos Almeida. I am a professor of Portuguese and Cabo Verdean Creole, the director of the Luso Centro and the coordinator of Portuguese English Community Interpreting Certificate at Bristol Community College in Fall River, Massachusetts, and a visiting lecturer in the Department of Portuguese at the University of Massachusetts, Dartmouth. I received a Bachelor's of Arts from the University of Massachusetts, Dartmouth, a Master of Arts in Hispanic Literature and Linguistics, and a Doctor of Lusophone Literature and Cultures from the University of Massachusetts, Amherst. I specialize in Portuguese and Cabo Verdean language, literatures, and cultures. I am also a co-translator of Baltazar Lopes to Chiquinho, a novel of Cabo Verde. I am a board of directors member of the Cape Verdean Association in New Bedford and a member of the Cape Verdean Committee of the Whaling Museum in New Bedford. I am originally from Cabo Verde. Uh, I have been in this country uh, for more than 35 years. So I live in New Bedford uh, and I teach again at Bristol Community College, both in Fall River and New Bedford. Thank you so much. Obrigada, Carlos. Uh, yes, um, it, it is just so unbelievable to hear all your backgrounds and your prior knowledge, and so devoted, all of you, so devoted, okay, to uh, the importance of uh, uh, being bilingual. I always say that in name of education and mathematics, okay, two is more than one. So by being bilingual, okay, you, uh, you, you do have two worlds, two cultures, two languages. And it, it is so magnificent that you still believe in this and, and at the same time, expand yourselves into the community and doing incredible work, okay, with the Portuguese community schools. Um, Bella, would you like to expand a bit more about your community school? Uh, in terms of, yes, we, uh, I believe that you mentioned uh, that it's uh, uh, your children, the students that participate in your community are uh, what, five years old and go, uh, you go as far as, as adults. Uh, can you elaborate a bit more? Yeah, so basically we have, as I mentioned, uh, three different classes. We have uh, one that is four to six years of age, which does not require them to write. It's basically being able to pronounce and be able to you know, sing and be able to grasp and enjoy what the Portuguese language has to offer. Then we have the seven-year-olds to 12-year-olds, which doesn't require actually making sense and be able to carry, uh, learn to carry a conversation with their grandparents and so forth. And then we have a senior, uh, I'm sorry, an adult class, uh, which is in two parts. There's for beginners, as well as for uh, level two. Um, and, and he also has a third part, as a matter of fact, uh, that is a one hour long, that is strictly conversational. So he has broken up his class. It's all on the same day, but he has broken up into three different sessions. Uh, one for beginners, one for intermediate, and then one for conversational only. So who are the students, Bella? Uh, are they uh, Portuguese? Did I American? answer your question, Dr. Morello? Where, where am I? Who, 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 
Okay, Bella, who are your students? Our students are basically, most of them are either married into a Portuguese families or they are the children of parents that have immigrated or their second and third generation. Uh, that's mostly who the students are. Mm -hmm. And about yours, Michelle, can you elaborate about your community school? Yes. Um, so at our community school, we have um, about 100 students, not this year because we're hopefully next year we'll jump back to normal. Um, so in a, on a typical year, we have about 100 students from preschool, TK, up to sixth grade. And then we have adult classes. And a lot of the adult classes, they are uh, people who married Portuguese into a Portuguese family, or they want to be able to, or their, Portuguese, their family is Portuguese and they wanna be able to learn Portuguese because they never had that chance. Um, for the children, um, a lot of it is either their parents are Portuguese and um, they don't speak it very much at home, but their grandparents, their, their parents do. So they want their children to be able to learn Portuguese and be able to, to speak and carry the, the tradition and the language. Um, so that's pretty much who our demographics are. There are some who are Hispanic and they want to be able to learn another language. So we have dual immersion programs here at the elementary school. And um, because they're in dual immersion Spanish here at the elementary, mm -hmm. then they'll go to our community school to learn another language. Mm. Do you think that will uh, it will be possible to have a dual Portuguese English classes? Oh, we As do. Oh, you do have. Oh, so, yes, we started it. Um, we are on the fifth year uh -huh. of having dual Portuguese, um, and it's supposed to be a program that goes all the way through high school. So we'll see uh -huh. as the, the kids, the first group goes through how it goes. Um, it has taken away a little bit from our community school because now uh -huh. the Portuguese here. Mm -hmm. So we have a little bit less from Hilmar going to there, but we have other people in the surrounding community who want to participate. Mm -hmm. That makes sense in terms of less students. I mean, the two things, the pandemic and at the same time having a dual Portuguese, okay, uh, part of the, the public school system. Yes. Uh, Annabella um, Pinto, can you elaborate a bit more about your Fernando Pessoa Community School? Um, before I do that, I just have a question for both ladies. Who is instructing these uh, students? Are they educators? Are they um, Portuguese natives? Uh, how, you know, are they paid? Are they volunteer? Because that, I think, makes a, a difference in the structure of the schools. Bella, who are they? Who are the instructors, Bella, in your community? So they are, so we have instructors that are teachers um, and not a Portuguese. So for the adults, it's actually a Portuguese teacher that is teaching and we do pay them uh, for the, the TK, the class of four to six years old, she is a preschool teacher who is not, um, she took the exam of the Portuguese language, but she's not an official Portuguese teacher, but she is a teacher for kindergarten, for a preschool. And the other one, um, the other teacher for the uh, seven to 12 year olds is also a teacher with basically the same as a TK. She's a very well spoken Portuguese, has a segundo ano do liceu antigo Portugal, and uh, teaches um, the Portuguese language. Mm -hmm. uh, Michelle, yeah, in your case. Michelle, in your case. Um, in my case, uh, I I'm not teaching this year, but um, I plan on teaching again next year. Um, and then my teachers are. Uh, one, he just finished the credential program, um, so he is a new teacher, and he he got experience in the Portuguese immersion program here in Helmar. Um, and then another teacher, um, she also has experience within the Portuguese immersion program in Helmar, but they're both they were both born here, 
um, but very strong in their Portuguese language. And then I, in the past, we've also had teachers who were native, born in Portugal, studied in Portugal, teaching here. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a mix of variety, but all of them are related to education in some way in order to, they have to be um, in the education field in some way in order to teach at the school. Mm -hmm. Annabella, is, is, does it answer your question? Is that the it same does. question? It, it does, is? because um, before I start telling you about the school that I founded, I also have to explain a little bit of, of my background. Um, I had, while I was found, founding the school, I also was part of this other um, organization, IPALC, which was a culmination of all of the cultural centers and organizations, including the schools. And I was a liaison, if you will, between the schools and also the Portuguese government in terms of even like Porto Editora getting maps and resources for the schools. A lot of the schools had educators, like the ladies had mentioned, whether they be licensed in the States or licensed in Portugal or native to Portugal. Um, but a lot of them were uh, in, uh, children of immigrants um, who went to Portuguese school and had education that way, and therefore they taught the lower grades. A lot of the schools struggled to get instructors, and that was the situation with myself. And I, seeing the value later on in life of having proper Portuguese education, what I did when I founded the school is I had a, a teacher who was a preschool teacher. Um, now she was was not Portuguese, but she was in a relationship with uh, a Portuguese man and therefore learned Portuguese, self-taught Portuguese. So she uh, combined with another uh, lady who was born of Port in Portugal, taught nursery rhymes and basic uh, exposure to the culture, Portuguese culture and language. That is our pre-K level. Um, and we divided it between pre-K and kindergarten because also age appropriateness, they also didn't know the alphabet in the American language. So it was, we had to, you know, kind of go around that. From uh, first grade on, we separated it between what we called a un, a dois. So it was like the first grade advanced, first grade beginners, things of that nature. And we broke it down. Eventually we had to go back to the old format and do one through um, one through six with each grade having its own identity. I taught the first grade beginners because I was experienced enough to get them to start the main verbs, the main nouns, and the main vocabulary, expose them to certain cultural and historical events. For example, for the 25 de abril, um, I expose them via proper age-appropriate YouTube videos. And I had a speakers. My husband happens to be a, a, an archaeology person, a major student or educator back home in Portugal. So I had the, you know, the inside scoop, if you will, on a great person to teach certain historical events. And then of course, our culture is um, intertwined with certain events religiously, like Our Lady of Fatima. So I did expose them. I did send out a flyer to the parents, those who might not be Catholic, for them to be aware that it is tied directly to the fact that it occurred in Portugal. I didn't want to offend them. Um, and then that's how we progress. We kind of intertwined culture and religion together. For the higher level classes, I was very fortunate to have, and still am fortunate to have a connection with a Portuguese born um, educator who was a teacher here and licensed here. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did pay her. Um, the rest of us were all volunteers, including myself. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of finances, I was able to uh, have a low tuition for the parents and different payment plans, um, which helped a lot. Um, I did have some resistance with the Portuguese cultural center that we were attached to, um, but they had to understand that in today's day and age, it's very difficult for people to pay for that extra. Um, so we had to have different plans. Um, and in terms of the, the volunteers not being paid or being paid, you know, they did it because they valued the, the foundation that would then lead up to her name is Maria Neto. Um, and I, I sought her, to, her you know, guidance and so did the other teachers. She gave us some guidelines and some um, points and goals that we had to do throughout the year um, with a specific timeline. I reached out to other schools that were established 
in New Jersey and Connecticut and the surrounding areas. And I think that's a very important when you're, whether you're founding a school or whether you already an active school, always trying to improve by by networking with other schools around you and seeing what works for them and taking from A and taking from B and then making your own. Um, mm-hmm. It's very, it's, it's, it's very beneficial for everyone. If mm-hmm. we, if we share even things mm-hmm. like PowerPoints that we now use, I use a PowerPoint in my class. Mm-hmm. And I remember my, my class started with, um, my class was uh, anywhere from eight, uh, eight year olds to 13 year olds that were exposed to Portuguese most of them, one of the parents was not Portuguese um, or never taught their children Portuguese. They were already like myself, born here. Um, and they wanted to communicate with family back home. And by the time I was done, they started with Ola and Bundia. And by the time I was done, they were able to tell their entire day to their grandparent. Ah. How wonderful. Thank In you, Annabella. Let's give a chance to, uh, to Leslie. Leslie has has not said much about her community school. Uh, And I would appreciate if you start giving, okay, the title of your community school. Um, The school is called Discovery Language Academy. It did go through a name change. Um, It used to be two schools, as you know. Closer to the microphone, closer to the microphone. How's that? Is this better? Yes, yes. Okay, I just have to raise my voice. So the school is called Discovery Language Academy. Um, it is a new name. It's recent. It's probably six years old. Uh, the school there used to be two schools that merged. It used to be a school of Portuguese in New Bedford with Portuguese United Education, but uh, the schools merged, and now it's Discovery Language Academy. It's located downtown um, New Bedford. So we currently have four programs, but we have seventeen different classes. Uh, we have 11 teachers, we have two aides, we have 234 students. And when I say four programs, that means that uh, our first program obviously is the pre-K uh, through grade nine, which is our children. Then we have three levels of adult conversational Portuguese. We have the beginners, the intermediate, the advanced. We have our ESL program, that's our third program. In that program, we have two classes. So we have the ESL program for our adults, but we also provide um, English literacy for the children. And actually our teachers go out to the students for public schools and service the children there. Uh, we have Spanish, we have conversational Spanish and a lot of our students are Portuguese, they're bilingual, but they're learning a third language. And then we also have a program where uh, it's also an ESL program and our teachers go out. This program happens to be in Bridgewater. So one of our teachers goes out to Bridgewater and teaches at Primo, which is a medical tech, um, a medical tech supplied company. So that's the programs that we have. We run the programs at night and we also uh, programs at night are face to face. So the students are all here, like today they're here. Today we have open house. We also have alumni night tonight. And then on Saturdays, we reserve that day for remote classes. Because we have, currently we have students from New York, Florida, North Carolina, Colorado, California. Uh, I don't know if I'm I'm forgetting any other states. So those students all all meet uh, on Saturday morning. There's two different levels there and there's beginners. And there is intermediate. And um, I think that's it. I try to get as much as I put in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Leslie. Uh, as, as you can see, you know, each one of you are um, um, in, in charge of a community school, and they are so different from each other. And uh, we will continue with this conversation about, okay. How can we uh, be? How can how can we uh, how can we do or make a very successful okay Portuguese community school? But let's go to uh, Carlos now and see Carlos. Um, you are not okay in charge of a Portuguese community school, um, but you are here with us because that is something that you would like to share in terms of, okay, all the community schools and, okay, higher education. How does that work? 
You are mute, Carlos. Carlos, you mute. Thank, thank you. I, <laughs> thank you for reminding me. Sometimes I, I forget that I have to unmute. That's that's the beauty of Zoom. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, when uh, when I actually received the information about the the Palca's virtual national uh, national conference uh, from from president uh, of the Bristol Community College, Dr. Laura Douglas, and uh, including Odette on that message, and receiving the invitation from Odette to participate in this panel, initially I thought, but. Uh, Bristol community uh, uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't follow uh, 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 under the topic of the role of community schools. However, after, uh, uh, upon further reflection of what Bristol offers as far as language classes and uh, an interpreting certificate are concerned, we can actually uh, consider that Bristol is in fact a, a community a school and it plays an important role uh, in this area for that matter. If you think about most of the students um, taking Portuguese class at Bristol are heritage language students who for different reasons did not get a chance to study Portuguese formally when they were kids in a traditional Portuguese school or taking Portuguese in high school. But now that they are in college and they have the interest in learning the language of their parents and grandparents. Of course, we have cases of students who took some Portuguese classes in high school and we have now a program that offers credit for prior learning, CPL, where we assess um, the level of proficiency in the language and offer the students up to non-college credit, the equivalent of three semesters of the language that the student can use when or if they transfer to a four-year institution to fulfill part of their language requirement. In this case, Bristol can serve as a stepping stone, stepping stone in a student academic career where they can get a quality education at an affordable price. With the interpreting certificate that we have at Bristol, the students must be fluent in both Portuguese and English in writing and oral communication to enroll in the program. We have had cases of heritage language students who studied Portuguese in Portuguese community schools, took some Portuguese language classes in high school, complemented with some intermediate Portuguese language classes at Bristol, then enter the interpreting certificate, and then transfer to UMass Dartmouth to pursue a major in Portuguese. We have also had at least one case of a student that came from Portugal when he was three years of age, lost, most of his Portuguese, then picked it up in a community school, mm. high school, and at the university, graduating from the university with a Portuguese major. And after years of uh, working and losing his uh, job at age 40, he got an opportunity to enroll at Bristol to obtain the interpreting certificate. And now he works as a Portuguese interpreter at one of our local community health centers. Mm -hmm. For these and other reasons, I can say that Bristol can be a feeder from 
the community schools and high schools. And at the same time, it can also serve as a feeder to a four-year institution as the students continue to pursue the academic journey. Mm. Thank you. Obrigada, Carlos. Thank you so much. What a, what a perfect connection okay, between the Portuguese community schools and, and, and jump to high school and to higher education. So it, it's just, I mean, it's a must that the Portuguese community schools exist. It, it, it has to be a must. So um, let's go and, and, and forward to um, what, what will be the best okay, recipe for a very successful community school. Annabelle has touched upon okay, uh, some of the ingredients that are necessary okay, for a very successful okay, Portuguese school. And any of you, any, Bella, would you like to share some of um, what will be the best ingredients for to be, to have a very successful Portuguese community school? No, I would actually like to pass that on to others to be able to give me the feedback. Uh, a lot of our Portuguese in our area here are moving out because it's so expensive to live in the Bay Area. Uh, so we are seeing more and more of our generation, to, well, actually, not my generation, but my children's generation, for example, getting educated and not coming back to live in the area because it's so expensive to live here. Um, so we are seeing definitely a change in the demographics of the Portuguese uh, community. Um, and so I, I do put it on our newsletter, I put it on our Facebook, I put it on the local radio. But, and also I know the pandemic has also took a hit on all, all of us and tremendously in a way that people are still afraid to come back. Mm -hmm. So our numbers this year are very, very low. And I do believe a lot of it has to do with the fact that people are still afraid to let their children come back to class. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense, Bella. Well, I'll 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 go. Um, Leslie, would you share with us, you know, uh, or with the community, what will be the best ingredients to make a a Portuguese community school successful? I I don't know if I know the best ingredients, but I can surely share what has helped us here at the school. Um, I mean, first of all you have to be a community organization and not, you have to work with everyone, not just Portuguese organizations. If you're not accepted by your community in general, you might as well close the doors because you're not going to go anywhere. It's really, really important to create events that are going to bring the community to you. Or, and it's also really important that your students become involved in, in the community. Uh, we have a folkloric group that performs a lot. Uh, we do food drives. Uh, we, we work with other organizations when they have their own fundraisers. So we help, we also give, it's not just take, we have to, to, we have to give. But one thing that's really, really important is to work with the public schools. So we have partnerships and by partnerships, we don't have anything signed, but I work with you like the public schools. I work with Dartmouth public schools. I work with the Catholic schools. Um, uh, I work with the Bedford Housing Authority, United Way. So you have to, your organization has to become an organization that works with others. That's the only way you, you can grow because if you're just going to say, I'm a Portuguese organization, I'm only gonna work with the Portuguese community for the Portuguese kids, you're really not gonna get too far. You really, really have to become a common denominator to your community and all the all other organizations. Well, and because of the fact that I do know, okay, the Discovery Language School in which Leslie represents, so the locale is super important. Okay, I, I, I mean, their school is in a main building downtown uh, well recognized by not just by the Portuguese community, but also by the American community. Um, the, the classrooms are, are real classrooms, okay? Like real classrooms. I, I recall vividly teaching Portuguese 
uh, I'm talking about decades ago, on, in corridors and in kitchens of schools. Okay, that doesn't work. Okay, so we we need to make it as as attractive as possible. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and that's do you really want to keep important. adding, Leslie? Go ahead. Yes, you have to provide a space that's kid-friendly. And by kid-friendly, um, I mean it has to be loud. For example, uh, don't forget that these kids go to school all day. So in my case, by the time they come to me, it's 5 o'clock. So they've, most of them have been up since 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the morning. They're tired. I mean, especially the 4-year-olds. So we, you know, you can't just depend on our dynamic teachers that work miracles with the curriculum uh, that, that, that we have here. Obviously the technology helps. Our classrooms are orange, some are blue, some are, you know, some are green. So we have painted the classroom. But first of all, you walk in, we have all the flags of the Lusophone countries hanging. That in itself is a lot of color. So you have to make the space very attractive for the kids as well. You don't want them walking in to a dull space. I mean, these kids have had a long day. You have to, you have to do things so that these kids want to come to you after school. And they're not saying, oh, mom, I don't want to go to Portuguese school today, but instead say, I want to go there. I feel comfortable there. And at the same time that the parents know my kids are in a great space. Not only are they learning, but they're learning with joy. Uh, when it comes to the little ones, we use a lot of music. We, we, use, we use a lot of technology with the kids. We happen to have virtual reality, which not that many people have. Um, but yes, the appearance of the classrooms and our teachers really brighten things up. Really, really, really helps. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Leslie. Yes, Annabella, yes. Uh, just speaking out of experience, what we did, since we don't have an actual um, club with walls, we reached out to a Catholic church that had a catechism building. And the catechism building had smart boards. Mm. And we uh, offered our services for their community dinners and for fundraising and um, we supplied them with the resources they needed for their catechism classes throughout the year, like your dry erase um, erasers and the markers and what have you. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how we got the space um, and the more updated environment. Mm -hmm. I agree with her when it, um, no matter what age level, the classroom has to be engaging. Mm -hmm. When it comes to little ones, we had a lot of um, pictures and, and printables that I got from Puerto Editora I love Puerto Editora. I'm partial to them because they were so instrumental in providing extra resources, uh, donating, let's be honest, and not only to my school, but I was able to, to do that for 10 other schools. Um, even things like maps that were age appropriate. Mm -hmm. um, the smart board was in, very instrumental in providing various clips of music and, and making the lessons that we're teaching real and lifelike. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, with it, when it comes to the older crowd, when you're talking about your uh, 10, 11, 12, and even high schoolers, they want they want they need something in return. The 10, the 10 to 13, those are looking for identity. So try to to cusp into that. Mm -hmm. The older ones want college credits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I could be in soccer. I could be in something else in an AP advanced class. I don't need to be in a small community college. I was in the uh, in in talks with the NYU when I was in when I was in Portuguese school many moons ago I graduated in the 80s um, my school was, had a program with um, NYU and we actually got college credits I had to sit down in their building and take one of their classes uh, one of their tests and I laughed at age 13 laughed through the entire test because for me it was so easy compared to Portuguese school mm -hmm. um, and it was it was both it was both uh, writing and, and reading and speaking, and I think our students would do fine in that. What we need to do is reach out for the for the older ones. We need we need to physically reach out to the universities. Uh, for example, uh, Senor Almeida was mm -hmm. speaking about his um, school. What I need to know, as uh, someone that's not in his state, is is that expendable to people that are outside of his state? persons that are not going to take classes in Bristol, but perhaps sit for their CPLs, because that's in essence what you, NYU was, a CPL test. So mm -hmm. I, need, 
I need to know that as someone that comes from another state and we create a relationship because as he said, then I can go forward and say, Hey, this, this university or this college is providing the CPL, but Hey, they've got two other pathways after you take that CPL. One is to become, to go forward and major in Portuguese. Another mm-hmm. one is to be an interpreter. So it's, it's symbiotic, just like NYU has also their language programs. And that's what we need to do. We need to identify where our resources are outside, like she said, like uh, uh, Miss Vincent said, Senora Vincent said, outside of the Portuguese community. In terms mm-hmm. of the problem that uh, Senora, uh, I think it's Bella Freire or Senora that's having in uh, San Jose. Uh-huh. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's all over. That's the reason why our community here exists is because in Westchester, we couldn't afford it anymore. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Annabella. Uh, Carlos, do you want to add anything to that? Do we have virtual classes in Portuguese? And, uh, yes. okay. Yeah, and, uh, actually, uh, way, like before before the pandemic, um, uh, we we had created at least a few Portuguese classes virtually. Uh, mm-hmm. At least myself, I, I had uh, I had uh, um, you know created the content for. Uh, a summer Portuguese class virtually. And mm-hmm. when the, the pandemic uh, hit and everybody had to go virtual, so we had to switch all the classes virtually. So mm-hmm. I, in my case, I had had a little bit of experience, so I didn't have that much of a, a learning curve when when in March of 2020, we, we had, was hit with the pandemic that we had to switch uh, quickly to all online classes. Now, of course, yes. we're going uh, to continue. Carlos, uh, uh, one second to interrupt, but you do have, you teach Criollo uh, all over the United States. It's virtual. Yes, yes. Yeah. Both, both, uh, both Cape Verdean and also Portuguese. Uh-huh, all over. I, I, do t- I, I teach the first Portuguese course for the interpreters. We mm-hmm. have a student from Virginia. Yes. So, I, I mean, it, this is the pluses of, of the pandemic, that, that the, the virtual classes are, are just opening and giving this opportunity okay, to students that did not have before because it was just very local. I mean, uh, th- this panel was so informative and, and, and panels like this, it, it is absolutely a must because we need to learn from each other. E- each one of you have so much knowledge uh, and, and, and how to uh, apply into your school community. And by listening to each other, it's just giving us the opportunity to say, aha, I never thought of that. Okay. And, and I, I could expand that in my community. But uh, what I hear, okay, from all of you is the necessity to be creative, to be outside of the box and to say, okay, it's not working with our Portuguese community. How can I expand? And Leslie was very specific. She has students that are not Portuguese descent. They are, they are Americans, and, but they, they do want to learn the language. And, and the more exposure that you are, we cannot feel and, and, and believe that we are just a little thing in a square, in, you know, and we're doing our little thing. No, we just need to be out there, okay? And the more exposure that you have, okay, the better it is. Again, I am super aware of the community school, the Discovery Language School in Bedford. And I know the exposure, okay, uh, that the school has. Uh, it, it is totally part of the community. It's not an isolation. It's not alone by itself. Uh, I mean, Leslie contacts the governor. The governor comes and sees the, the school. The governor is involved. The, the governor makes sure that the, the Discovery School is in the agenda okay, at the state level. So it is exactly the next step, next step, next step. So, and it's, it's probably one of the best recipes for a successful school. So we all learn from each other. Uh, we could go on and on for one more hour, 
to talk about, okay, the best practices for language acquisition, the best practices, okay, for, uh, for being able to have uh, students feeling that they are in authentic culture, authentic language, and being able to step out of those four walls and use the language outside. So it, it's all of these pieces, okay? But all of you are doing an incredible job. It, it, it is honestly, I don't know. Sometimes I, I, I think about and look around and say, how? How did I do it? How do you do it? Okay, it, it is with so much sacrifice, but at the same time, it's with believing that it is possible and you can do it. Yes. Anybody else that would like to add uh, anything to here? I appreciate so much uh, having Michelle is teaching at the moment and she's with us. So do you see the way it's going? Leslie is, is the classes are going on right now and she needs to jump into, okay, the classes. Uh, uh, Bella, Bella, what is, what is going on right now, Bella, this moment? I'm the executive director at the center. So we have lots of stuff going on. Oh, see. Uh, but our main focus is our seniors currently. Uh -huh. The classes are in the evenings. Uh, this is uh, still in California, it's not three o'clock. So <laughs> business is running as usual. Uh-huh. And Annabella is, is between our professional job and catechism. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's unbelievable, okay? And Carlos, I'm not sure, are you teaching tonight? Uh, not tonight, tomorrow night. Okay, um, tomorrow night. I, I, I have to have a, a break in between. <laughs> it, it is, it is. We are so multifaceted. And we, we I mean, honestly, but we, we, are, we are able to do it. We manage and we can do it. It is so empowering to know what you do. It's so empowering to know your presence in your communities. Uh, thank you so very much for participating, okay, in this thank panel. You. Uh, thank you. This is so magnificent. Thank you so much. Um, muito obrigada e um Thank you, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.